0: Hello and welcome to the 24/7 Sports College Basketball Show. It is the most wonderful time of the year. My name is Trey Scott. I'm joined by college basketball's all-time assist king, Jerry Meyer. Jerry, how are we doing?
1: Doing pretty well, you know. Like we said, we're not <laughs> we might not be on our a today, but you we're, know, sometimes you, you remember Jordan when he had the flu, the quote flu, the flu game. <laughs> the, the flu game. Uh, he, he pulled today. that one off pretty well and yeah, I could play six. Or we're we're going to do
0: good. We're going to do it. Uh, just as a reminder to everybody, the 24-7 Sports College Basketball Show podcast is now available on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. If you are on iTunes, please make sure to subscribe and leave, leave us a five-star review. We would appreciate that. Jerry, let's get going. Carolina swept Duke this season. And it looks like Carolina now is in line for a one-seed entering the ACC tournament, a one seed nationally, uh, along with Virginia, along with Gonzaga, along with Kentucky. That's per um, Joe Lenardi at ESPN and then our, our colleagues. Jerry Pine really? at CBS has a different different yeah. kind of approach. But So no Michigan State, no? no. Yeah, not yet. Interesting. Jerry, is Carolina – how much stock do you put into two wins over a Zion-less Duke team?
1: Uh, you know, not a ton, but there's stock. There's value there. They beat a good team. But, you know, Zion, uh, it's been stated a lot, but I'll state it again. Such a gulf, such a void when he – it's an abyss <laughs> almost when he's not on the court. It's not that Duke can win without him, but he just brings such a presence. Beyond his talent, just his energy, his – you know, I've talked to some people that have watched Duke practice a lot, and they, they one thing they talk about, Zion – is the leader in practice. He's the energetic guy. No matter how mundane the drill, you know, we always have drills we don't really like to do in practice. Coach makes you do it every day almost. Like Zion embraces it. He's the guy getting guys going, and he's leading by his effort. and example, and he does that uh, during on game day.
0: Are you – so Duke and Carolina will both play Thursday uh, against opponents to be determined in the first – or in the uh, second round, I should say, at the ACC tournament in uh, – that's in Charlotte, North Carolina – Zion is working his way back. He has not played in six games. Jerry, I'm a little bit dubious about. You know, I I think when we started this podcast, I guess a week ago, we 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 knew Zion wasn't going to play Tuesday against Wake Forest that week, but we kind of figured, okay, he might. Let's see. Let's see if he returns Saturday against Carolina, and kind of you know shakes out the rust and gets back in the game shape before this three game Mm. stretch in the tournament. And so now we're supposed to expect this guy who hasn't played in a month. To coming off of an injury uh, a sensitive knee area injury to, to kind of go three games in a row if he has to well
1: um, I think they're going to work him in slowly <clears throat> I think the logic to me let's say Zion could have played against UNC I understand why you're hesitant to play him his first game back in that game because it's so intense and you're not going to want to take him out of the game. (laughs) You know, you're going to leave him in there just because of the nature of that game and the rivalry. And you're probably worried Zion might be too amped up. And just speculating here. So you you wait till the ACC tournament. The thing is, Duke can lose, and they're okay.
0: As far as, like, getting a two-seed.
1: Yeah, but I don't think, you know, I think the fans sweat the seeds a lot more than the coaches do. I, I think the main concern on the seeds, like where it can really benefit you if you're a one seed, is if they make your travel easy, if you play closer to home for your fan base. I think that's, as, from a coaching perspective or, you know, the team and the program, that's the benefit. They're not really worried about the number that's attached to them. And then you look at the matchups. So, yeah, generally the higher you are, uh, the better matchup you're going to get, um, and the numbers tell us that, but one, two, three, you know, you're you're going to play a team you should beat. So, point being, I think there's less pressure to play Zion excessive minutes in a in a tournament game versus a rivalry North Carolina game. Now they probably hope they win, so he gets more game time. That that would be the thing. What if you know he plays? Say they play him 13 minutes. And I have no idea, maybe 20, but you, you think they're going to bring him on slow. Plus, how's his conditioning going to be?
0: That's what I want to know,
1: right? That's a, yeah, Sure. That's a factor. I'm sure they got him swimming in the pool and doing stuff to keep his cardio up. But, yeah, if you lose, then, then you jump right into the NCAA tournament, and he's only played a little, you know, a few minutes.
0: Yeah, so maybe, you know, I, I just, it's kind of weird to imagine, you know, him not playing for a month and then going three straight games, but, I would rather that than, yeah, Jerry. than they you know lose one right. game and then the whole team's kind of reeling. How do we? You know they don't look comfortable without him. And, and I don't know if it's not making shots or what, but Cam Reddish from three point range on Saturday was three for twelve. RJ Barrett was four for eleven. And I saw you were talking on Twitter with somebody who was saying, you know, Cam Reddish. This is this is, you know, he, he understands his game now, or this is like he doesn't have to worry about sharing the ball. He can take his shots. Uh, yeah. But it's like,
1: you know, we did he talk. Need, he needs Zion. Yeah. Zion's one of the best passers on the team. When you have Zion out there, you have um, Barrett. When he's willing to pass, sometimes, you know, he can be sort of that black hole. Where you don't know if he's ever going to give it up. But he, he's a very capable passer. Zion's a very capable passer. And then, of course, Trey Jones. Yeah, that makes a big difference. The more guys you have out there who can pass, I think it helps Cam. It takes pressure off him. Um, I did think Cam looked – Cameron um, looked good. Reddish. Yeah. yeah. I don't want to confuse the two. I thought Reddish looked good as far as driving to the basket. I thought his first step looked good. He, I thought he played with a little more strength than I normally see uh, see out of him. But um, they're not that good a three-point shooting team, and I think they're a worse – three-point shooting team without Zion
0: one last Duke Zion thing I want to talk about we said last week maybe if Duke cuts down the nets in April they will okay yeah this is good that we had this Zion injury because we got to play without him are you worried at all about them developing bad habits without Zion it seems like a free-for-all for for Cam Reddish and RJ Barrett
1: um uh, interesting point I haven't thought about that um I, I kind of I'm trying to follow the logic there, and I think I can see it in that. Um, okay, now, do you guys now, play now Well, now Zion comes back, and do we are we able to go back to playing how we were playing with Zion? It's going to be interesting to watch. It, it certainly is, but Zion is such a larger than life type figure. You know, you figure you can just see him coming out there. It's like boom, here we go. <laughs> we're right back where we were. That would not surprise me at all if it's like that. But, you know, obviously uh, there could be some, you know, some issues that they got to tinker and tweak out.
0: Yeah. There's no question that all of college basketball will be watching the action this week in Charlotte again. Virginia looks primed. North Carolina, they might get a one seed. No one's talked about them all year. It's crazy. Another tournament that I'm interested in, Jerry the sec tournament last time we recorded we were a few hours away from a will wade bombshell being dropped (laughs) (laughs) right after you were saying lsu as a a final four team Uh, they are the number one seed in nashville by virtue of sending vandy to an 0 and 18 conference record saturday night javante smart did not play he was held out because of you know the will wade bombshell stuff Nas reed I thought it was kind of curious that he didn't play, but that's really not my place to speak of. It was an interesting time for him to get an injury. Yeah, or an illness, I, I, I didn't say.
1: know. I didn't know he was was that. What and they were it, saying? Yeah, I knew it. Was it. All right. Um, so and then Kentucky's I Kentucky's a two seed national. I, I hear your skepticism. Yeah, Kentucky's
0: a two seed national. Tennessee's a three seed. This seems like you have three teams who have a really you know a legitimate you know contest you know contest for a number one seed. Although I don't think Tennessee blowing it against Auburn is going to get them any favors. LSU, what is what is the impact of Will Wade still suspended indefinitely? What is the impact on that team? How would you, as a player, wh- how, what would you be feeling? And then broadly, does this are you are we ready to sell LSU stock?
1: Yeah. Um, okay, I'm going to go with the twist, a little irony here. In a sense, the better the coach, the lesser the impact of him missing a game because of the job he's done preparing a team. And I think a coach's ultimate goal is to create a team that doesn't need to be coached, so to speak. You know, so you have that aspect. <clears throat> now obviously, you know, you'd probably rather have Will Wade making the in-game adjustments and the calls. But again you are hoping your staff, your assistants have a feel for how you would coach the game. Now you, so then you know, so that's assume okay, we're okay, we're okay if we're LSU. And then you worry in regards of maybe motivation or leadership, like the team really looked to a way. But again, I think the better the coach, especially with a talented team like they are, you don't even really want that. You know, it's not about me, guys. <laughs> you guys are really good. You have a lot of talent. I would worry more about. Uh, Javante Smart playing or not playing, really. Then Will Wade coaching, so I think they'll be fine. And then, the, then the other factor, you can even turn it as a positive in that you know chip on the shoulder motivation for the players. I got a little bit of sense of that. And you know when they won the SEC outright, you felt this sense of like us against the world. You know they're trying to screw us over. You know it's kind of like John Thompson. You know back with those Georgetown teams. You know it's us against the world. To try to create that mentality. So, you know, I guess after saying all that, I, I think LSU could easily win the SEC tournament. Kentucky, Tennessee, LSU. I'm sorry, Connor, I'm not going to say South Carolina. <laughs> Although, man, upsets happen. <laughs> hey, but if, yeah, if South Carolina were to beat LSU, then we'd all be saying, well, they didn't have their head coach. <laughs> and I, you know, I, everything I said last week was wrong, and now it's this
0: way. What a weird year, and where like Vanderbilt goes 0 18 in conference play, and then South Carolina is the four seed in the SEC tournament, but isn't showing up on anyone's bubble, bubble radar. Uh, yeah, but, they're not, are they? No, they're not. Uh, speaking of bubble, we'll bounce to the Big 12 really quickly, Jerry, knocking through the uh, the conferences mm-hmm. here. Big 12 looks like it's a. Uh, I just kind of feel like a Kansas State Texas Tech, you know, battle on Saturday night for the title. We'll see uh tcu got a big win over texas on saturday tcu looks like it got off the bubble texas looks like it is on it and shaka smart in year four is now a 500 coach we'll see the fall in austin that's a big storyline to track over in the pac-12 washington if it doesn't win the pac-12 tournament is a bubble team which tells you everything you need to know about how bad <laughs> the pac-12 basketball right
1: was. because if so all, yeah. all your bubble teams are rooting for Washington, right? Right. You know, yeah, I mean, because you really, you lose a spot in the tournament if I, potentially. Right. There's a chance Washington doesn't even get in. That yeah, blows Isn't that my, wild? That's why I don't really want to talk about the Pac twelve because I haven't watched a no, whole I know. lot of it. Yeah. Because I prefer to watch good basketball. Well, it wasn't it, a good it's it, not been it's hadn't been no. a good league.
0: It wasn't a good weekend, to be honest, for teams who were on the bubble because some Auto bids being stolen. In fact, four automatic bids were awarded over the weekend. Not a single number one seed was in the group of that yeah, conference. So, like, Lipscomb lost. Belmont lost to John ja, to ja Morant's Murray State team, which we'll talk about in a second. But Belmont, I think, is a team that has the you know, the resume, at least. You know, and Wofford's another one. Even if Wofford doesn't win its conference and Wofford plays Monday night, Wofford should be in the NCAA tournament. I think Belmont would be a better watch than like TCU or Alabama or Ohio State.
1: Yeah, I agree. It, it, to me, it's just you know, we touched on this last time. Uh, I think I just think it's more fun with the mid major in there. You get to see something different, and you get the underdog story.
0: Yeah. Other uh, and then Seton Hall is Seton Hall and Clemson were two other big bubble winners this week. And Seton Hall beats Villanova, and then Clemson beat Notre Dame. Or, no, sorry, uh, Clemson beat Syracuse in the game and needed to win. Let's go back to Jerry. Belmont, Murray State, Ja Morant. The people will get they, what they wanted, and Ja Morant will be in the NCAA tournament. Ja, in the uh, title game, had 36 points, seven rebounds, three assists, two blocks. They'd have seven turnovers, which he also had Friday night when he scored 29. So maybe turnovers are a little bit much, but Jerry, he almost posted a triple-double Friday night. He's awesome.
1: Yeah, he certainly is, and he's a risk-reward player. Um, he makes high risk plays. He gives you a lot of uh, reward, and he's going to have some turnovers. You know, it's like Brett Favre out there slinging it around. You know, uh, I'm sure Murray State coach can live with those turnovers because he makes so much happen on that court. And like we were talking about earlier, um, close game. I'm watching it. You know, you know, hate to see Belmont lose since I live right by the school, and you know been affiliated you know played against Belmont been around Belmont have a teammate on the coaching staff from college but the whole time I'm just thinking John Morant's not going to lose this game because he's just so much better he's elite you know he's so much better his ability to finish with his left hand is amazing his his game I mean, if you think about it, if you have to play with two hands as a basketball player, say, you know, two-hand passer, two-hand finisher, or, you know, I know you finish with one hand, but the ball never touches both hands. You follow me? You just Mm -hmm. go from that hand, you're dribbling, and go up with it. Look how much wider that makes your game. So if a guy's open over here, I know no one can see me right (laughs) now, but I'm pointing to the side, to my left side. If I want to pass to that player and I have to make a two-hand pass, Way better chance it gets deflected right. or even gets stolen on that end because as a one-hand player, I can get around the defense with the pass. You know, Ginobili, the hook pass, yeah. that he's kind of made famous. And I throw it to the outside, I mean, it just opens up the court for a player. Um, just wanted to share that. Because it's one of the technical things that make him beautiful to watch. And I would, I would encourage fans, when you watch him play, look at what he can do With the basketball with just one hand, the other hand never touches it. It's a very unique skill and trait, and it's the future. Like he, we are witnessing another step in the evolutionary progression of point guard play.
0: When we were little, and obviously he made it (laughs) to college basketball, but those of us who never made it past middle school basketball (laughs) would like, you know, your you know your dad would be like, "Hey, eat your cereal with your with your left hand. Brush your teeth with your left hand." I remember Drew Nightell at Michigan State. Like became ambidextrous by doing all those mundane tasks, yes. and now it's hard. Like, if I picked up a tennis ball with my left hand, Jerry, I can hardly, <laughs> I can hardly bounce that. But that's you know, funny. Yeah,
1: I, I did the same thing. Yeah, you know, try to do everything I could do to develop that uh, weak hand. And then the other thing that where I thought you were going to go with that is like our middle school coaches. You pass with one hand. Everyone get on the line. You're running sprints. You know, you oh. do everything with two hands. And it's just funny how the game's evolved and changed. And now it's like, well, man, if you can't make one added passes it's going to be tough for you to be a good point guard. You know, it's funny how it's evolved.
0: Hopefully all the uh, middle school coaches will be watching John Morant uh, in the (laughs) NCAA tournament this week. We're going to take a a quick break and uh, hear a message from our partners. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the 24-7 Sports College Basketball Show. I'm your host, Trey Scott, joined by Jerry Meyer, who uh, is about to launch in on a bone he has with a few of the uh, college basketball officials out there being a little bit generous with their uh, charging calls, Jerry.
1: Yeah, this has always been an issue with me. I think it's getting a little worse. One, I think there's officials have something in their human nature, I guess you'd call it ego, where they love to change a play. You know, no, you know, like they get excited running down the court, making that charge call. It's like an umpire, you know, punching a batter out and getting fired up about it. That, that's, that always is annoying, I think, to fans, players, coaches, everyone involved. You know, I'm not a, let's ban the charge guy. And um, I, I think you keep the call, but I think it needs to be obvious to be a charge. And there's nothing wrong with just not blowing the whistle. If it's like kind of 50-50. Now, technically, they're supposed to, I think, act, you can actually call a double foul. And it can be a simultaneous charge block. I've never understood that one. But ma- make it obvious. And then... If it's not obvious and it really affects the play, I think the, the default call is a block. But I don't think there's anything wrong with just not blowing the whistle. Um, now, some fans will be like, well, then the offense, you know, I mean, the offensive player is just going to take advantage of that and run roughshod, you know, through the defense and just knocking people out of the way like a running back. No. I mean, we've we've all played pickup ball. And – You know, players don't do that. You might have that one weirdo, (laughs) you know, roided up ex-football player or something (laughs) that tries to do that. But guess what? He always loses the ball, doesn't he? Does he ever finish? Does he ever make a play? I mean, if someone's out there doing something that's going to hurt someone, then you call the foul. So now I'm kind of making an argument for let's get rid of the charge. But I I don't think you get rid of the charge. I just think it needs to be obvious. And I, I would like referees to consider, you know, why am I so excited to call a charge? And, like, a lot of people say, well, it's because they're thinking
0: about themselves and they want to be a part of the action. Uh, you saw some of these in that, or at least a few in the Duke UNC. Yeah, see, I
1: you know, and I, I tweeted out on that one by the bench where R.J. Barrett um, charged uh, – Kenny Williams drew the charge on R.J. Barrett. You know, if, if the defender – I call it covering his top foot. You know, I didn't think he was in position. Um, I thought the other one where he's driving left-hand towards the baseline, I mean, uh, towards the basket, you know, from the wing, uh, you know. And I, if, the, if the defender's not there, I got no problem with the no call. You know, I, on that play, I, I say no call. But I, th- I thought those charging calls um, did affect the game. I, by no means am I saying it dictated the game. UNC was the better team. North Carolina deserved that game. Give props to Kenny Williams. You know, he's drawing the fouls, he's making the plays. I, I think the refs need to do a better job. And, um, you know, I, th- I think they're just too charge happy.
0: We're whipping around the horn here on, the, uh, on this podcast. We were kind of in this dead period, Jerry, between the games that were played this weekend and the games upcoming in the next few days that matter a lot less to most of these teams than the games that will happen next week. All right. So this is kind of a soft spot in basketball coverage. I'm I'm going to go down some headlines and just we're just going to touch base on them. So after they lost 72 64 to Arizona State, Sean Miller addressed the the crowd at McHale Center, Jerry, and he said to the Arizona fans, uh, "There's no fans in the world that are more loyal. It has been an amazing honor to coach in the last here for the last ten years. Thank you for everything." And then he was asked afterwards in his press conference, Sean Miller was. You know, Coach, are those comments indicative of a of a goodbye, of a farewell? And he said no comment. It sounds like he's preparing an exit.
1: Interesting you bring that up because I read some quotes. I, I did not actually see him do it, but I read some quotes in the press. And I, I thought he said even like brought up 10 years or mm-hmm. something. Yeah. And, dude, immediately I had the same reaction as you. And I didn't know he said no comment in the press yeah. conference. I immediately read that. I was like, oh, my God. He straight up said thanks for everything goodbye. <laughs> That's how it read to me, reading between the lines.
0: Well, and reading between more lines, it's, you know, we're not going to talk about the NBA on this show. We could if you wanted to, but the Lakers are a disaster. It looks like it's a matter of time before Luke Walton is out. That does not
1: look like a good situation no. for
0: Luke. <laughs> do you, is this far Or do you, are you Oh, Luke to Arizona. To Luke to Arizona. That Lord. wouldn't
1: surprise me at all. His daddy would like that a lot. He's yeah. he, he's got a love for the, the uh, for Arizona. He likes that weather down there. Um, that wouldn't surprise yeah. me. I, I mean, Luke played there, right? Yeah, really I remember awesome. him. Remember him playing there with I, the, I the dancing it, bears on his tattoo on his shoulder. That that wouldn't surprise me at all. I can see why people are yeah. bringing up that narrative and you know speculating on it.
0: Well, and like meanwhile, like if Nebraska has an opening, you know. If, if they fire Tim Miles, people are saying, oh, they might go after Fred Horberg. And I think it's interesting that colleges with an opening this year, it seems like this is someone was I think Dan Wolken might have been talking about this on Twitter. It seems like a really hard year to have an opening because it seems, first of all, at least in my eyes, there's a lot – like there's not a slam dunk hot mid-major coach. It feels like, you know, we just fin- finished a cycle of those guys getting snatched up. But also with the, the FBI ring and all of that, it seems like you really don't have any idea right now who's clean and who's not. And it seems like a school like Arizona or a school like Nebraska going after a coach from the NBA. That is,
1: that's a great point right there. Yeah. Get a guy who doesn't have any baggage on him yet. You know, <laughs> we don't have to worry where the skeletons are, what's going to pop up. Because, yeah, if you're some high-profile recruiter, recruiter as an assistant.
0: Like a Will Wade. <laughs> it, yeah,
1: right. Well, right. Or a mid-major <laughs> who's getting talent and getting it done. You're like, whoa, 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 you know. So uh, that – makes a lot of sense right there Trey yeah makes yeah. a whole lot of sense
0: we'll see uh going around the horn still Marcus Bolden for Duke uh MCL tweak timeline unclear we know that the Blue Devils are getting Zion back Jerry last week you meant, you said Bolden former five-star recruit starting center for Duke was their x-factor if I told you that Marcus Bolden's not going to play again the rest of the year as far as Duke's long-term chances, are you, like, whatever? Yeah. Uh,
1: no, I'm not or? whatever. I think it hurts him, man. I think it really hurts him in depth. That, you know, I get the sense, Coach K, like, in that game, I don't know if Jack White would have played God. any, if, you know, maybe not at all if Marquise had stayed healthy. Like, I just get this feeling. Like, I, whoever I was watching the game with, I was like, he doesn't want to play Jack White, you know. He's got that sense right away. I don't, they don't, I don't think they think Joey Baker's ready. He didn't play, which was it's very odd that they burned his red shirt. I think they got really desperate because they don't want to play Jack White. Um, you know, hate to say it for Jack, but Jack does a lot of good things. Great hands, secures rebounds, but he's just been a liability for them offensively. And then when he gets a tough matchup defensively, he can get overwhelmed. But anyway. You know, I don't see Alex O'Connell being the X factor. I just don't see that happening. So, yeah, I thought it was Bolden. Without Bolden, that hurts them. Uh, I think it hurts them a lot. I mean, you know, I, I I think it hurts their chances to go all the way
0: a lot. Uh, and the more I think about it. Yeah, not to pick on Jack White, we'll move on after this. But I just want to point out Jerry did last week, you know, make a statement on Duke's lack of depth and say that beyond the headliners, maybe they weren't recruiting the the, the right guys. And,. You know, we we did some content in that, and we put it on Instagram, and people were like, "What are you talking about? Do you guys all these number one recruiting classes?" But when you look at the box score, they essentially played seven guys uh, on Saturday. Yeah. They, you know, Jordan Goldwire played five minutes. Bolden obviously got hurt; he played three. Yeah. But when you look at like what did DeLaurier give you? What did Jack White give you? And then, what did, you know, it, what did O'Connell give you? Who started? He was over for 4 from three, no points. So,
1: well, you know, that's an interesting. That's a good counter. You know, well, they got number one – well, maybe we're ranking the (laughs) – maybe we need to change the algorithm. I don't know, you know, because, yeah, in a sense they they should be ranked that high because, yeah, they got Cameron Reddish, R.J. Barrett, and Zion Williamson, Trey Jones. I mean, that's insane. But the fact is that with the turnover now, and you're going to have to play a couple guys or three who aren't in that upper echelon – they need to be better than the guys Duke has recruited. It's like Duke has recruited this upper echelon, these upper echelon players, and then with their last remaining scholarship or their two last remaining, they're like, oh, whatever, just, let's just give it to this guy. I mean, that's what it almost feels like. like yeah. You know, when Goldwire went there, like, people thought he was going to go to Georgia State. And then all of a sudden, Duke? What, Duke? You know, like when you're having those reactions, and now those guys are playing. So maybe find a guy ranked seventieth in the country, you know, yeah.
0: and not three hundred. Does Carolina do the opposite of that? I don't know. I mean, I don't think that's
1: necessarily intentional, you know. So I hesitate just because of the way that question was framed. What is Carolina I think you doing different? I think you get what you can get. Yeah, you know, I don't know that anyone's doing anything differently. I mean, it comes out different. I think we've seen success, like with North Carolina win the championship that year, Villanova with their two recent ones. It was guys who had been there longer and were like four-star type players or bubble. You know, like a Joel Berry was on the bubble as a five-star. Um, or a guy like a Justin Jackson, he didn't quite pan oh, yeah. out right away, you know, because he wasn't
0: strong enough. You know, the
1: stuff we should have seen. He didn't have
0: the choice to go pro immediately. Right,
1: way. right. And so it worked out for North Carolina, but that just kind of happened, and you recruit guys that you feel you can get, and I think everyone's trying to get high-level guys. I just, but I have noticed with Duke, it's almost like Duke, we got, you know, five spots on the end of the bench, yeah, that you know we we'll give David Robinson's kid a scholarship. You get like you know what I'm saying? And man, maybe they need to be thinking, no, we need to get a real player. You know, like you know, I don't think Kentucky's doing that. You know, Kentucky's trying to stack it all the way. But it's
0: food for thought. Feels like a three man team at times. Uh, Jerry, we did get a, re- a recruiting question. Let's go ahead and uh, loop that in because we do want to toss out Dave and Faith1 on Twitter. Not sure if Preston Sachua has a favorite in the expert size, but would you say he might be leaning toward UNC at this point in his recruitment? And this is uh uh-huh. go ahead and answer yeah, that.
1: Yeah, I mean, pertinent question. Um, Five star player. Uh-huh. Plan he 's from Bronx New York, but he 's playing in Mount Verde Academy he just he was on an official visit to North Carolina and was there for the Duke game and North Carolina had you know guys that are already committed, and Cole anthony who they 're pursuing top point guard in the country, so you know they had their whole crew there because who 's going to pass up a chance to watch that game right and so we the reports aren 't out yet as to the impact of that visit, so i can 't really answer that question because we don't know yet, but you would have to think they made a real positive impression on him. Now, Connecticut, I'm looking at the crystal ball. Connecticut is the leader at 67%. Uh, St. John's fans are really hoping they can get them. Uh, Memphis had been associated with him a lot earlier, but I think Memphis is really hoping they can get Trendon Watford. That's another recruitment we could talk about because we, it was looking like LSU for him. Oh, McDonald's All-American, but, yeah, you know, it's kind of tough to commit to LSU at this moment. Right. And uh, Memphis is strong with him in Alabama. But um, back to Precious, I have not changed my crystal ball pick. I do not have the info. Probably Thursday I could talk more about where North Carolina is with him. But pertinent question because he did take an, an official visit there. He's one of the more
0: athletic players in the 2019 class. Cool. Uh, as we begin to wrap things up, we're going to take a a quick look at at the the action you should be watching uh, this week until we record again on Thursday. Uh, Wofford plays tonight against UNC Greensboro in the uh, Southern Conference Men's Championship. Greensboro's on the bubble. Wofford's already in. This could be interesting. If you're if you're a fan of a bubble team, uh, you need to be rooting for Wofford because if UNC Greensboro steals that auto bid, Wofford's getting in regardless. So you can mark. Uh, an, you can mark one off your list. And then Gonzaga begins playing the West Coast Conference in Las Vegas against Pepperdine. They should, they should smash Pepperdine. Jerry, you're a believer in Gonzaga. I think the rest of the country is probably going to start getting on that board or that training next well, week. Number right, one in the eight people.
1: Well, especially with the, the injuries with Duke. It makes it a little tougher to feel them. Tennessee, you know, lost some games here recently. Uh, Michigan State seems to be on a roll. Virginia's on a roll. North Carolina, I'd say roll. North Carolina's on a roll. Kentucky looking good. But I just think it's hard to see a weakness in this uh, Gonzaga team. Yeah. And they're supposed to get Tillian back. Um, and so that's going to – they are a better team when he's on the court.
0: Going to Tuesday, we look might have the final game of the Danny Manning uh, era in, uh, at Wake Forest. They play Miami. These are just the bad teams in the ACC. Notre Dame was horrible this year. They play another bad ACC team in Georgia Tech. Yeah, I don't think those games are worthy of uh, time on our podcast. Action really gets better on uh on thursday to be honest with you jerry uh, so we'll record thursday and uh try, try to catch ourselves in the midst of all the good action north carolina we be playing that day duke auburn kansas state florida state virginia so uh fans go ahead and uh, please subscribe drop us a five-star review we will be back on the 24 7 sports college basketball show in a few days to to discuss all the action in the uh in the thick of it jerry Right now, haven't seen Zion, haven't seen the bracket, haven't seen anyone play. I'm going to give you a chance before conference action gets going. Who would be your team to win the national championship if you had to pick right now? I'm putting you on the spot. You did not expect it. I'd I'd, I'd have to go Gonzaga. Yeah, I'm going to Gonzaga, too. I wanted to go Texas Tech, but I I don't know if that would be totally a wise They're definitely viable. Until next time, everybody. We'll see you later.